Welcome to Post Game with Paul Golden, a sports and faith podcast. I'm Tim Donnelly. Thanks for joining us. Today, our guest is Eric Kratz, former catcher for the New York Yankees. In this episode, Eric will share experiences from his 19 seasons with a variety of Major League Baseball teams as the backup catcher and sometimes as a knuckleball pitcher. He would also discuss the sacrifices made by his family, which allowed him to have such a lengthy baseball career. You won't want to miss Eric Kratz explaining the absolutely craziest game he has ever been a part of. A faithful follower of Christ, Eric details how his faith journey began. Now here's your host of the post-game podcast, Paul Golden. Today we are joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Eric Kratz, former professional baseball player with multiple teams. Eric, welcome to Post Game. Oh, thanks for having me on. Just a quick rundown for those that may not know you. You played 19 seasons. You are well-traveled. I think if you looked up what the definition of a journeyman would be, your picture is in that right next to it. You played over 300 major league games, over 1,000 minor league games. If I recall, you were a AAA All-Star. You also won a World Series ring with the Kansas City Royals. You are a 29th round draft pick of the Toronto Blue Jays out of uh, Division Three, right? Eastern yep, Mennonite. Yep. And uh, next week, you're going to turn 41. You are a husband, father, uh, former ball player, most importantly, a follower of Christ. So welcome to the Post Game Podcast. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for having me on. All that we don't even really need to go through anything. You know everything about me now. So let's I just guess wrap the up po- the podcast. Just Thanks for wrap it up. Thanks for joining. <laughs> so you've basically done it all, man. You've been traded, released, DFA'd, sent down, called up, phantom DL. Tell us about your baseball career. When, when people ask me about my baseball career and like, how did you do it, or like, how were you able to get? I say performance enhancing, and people are like, what? Like, is he about to say that he he used steroids? Like, this is the breaking news? I said, no, no. If it wasn't for if it wasn't for Jesus in my life, I would not have been able to do it. So he was my performance enhancer. It, it was something that, like, all the things that you said, we could go into, we could do a whole podcast just 30 minutes on one different transaction at separate times. Getting released in 2015 before we ended up winning the World Series. So yes, I got a World Series ring, but I wasn't able to be there when we won the World Series. I was on my couch at home. Different things that went into that, like I was put on the Phantom DL in the big leagues and they picked somebody else up that they'd rather have. And so they took him. My son, my oldest son, Braden, was on a little league team that I think they played like seven or 10 games. And like, these were his guys. Like this was... This was his World Series, like the apex of his Little League career at nine years old. You know, so there's so many things that go into all those transactions. And in the moment, I would have changed it. In the moment, I would have, you know, the one the one thing in baseball that I never experienced was a multi-year contract. And so I guess in the moment, that's the one thing I would have changed. But now looking back on all of them, because I did survive, I might have some scars from the those moments, but they have made me who I am. And it's given me the experiences that I can, that I can lean on hopefully in my next career, whatever that's going to be. And you played all over, you played with team USA, you played in Japan, you played in Mexico, you played in the Dominican league. 
I mean, you've done it all as a catcher. By the way, you're 6'4", uh, 250 pounds. Uh, now that you're in the off-season retirement, maybe you're a little heavier, but we won't go there. <laughs> this is audio, not video, okay? That's so right. We're, you're, you're exactly whatever weight you want to be when it's on audio. That's right. How many different teams, I don't know if I should like name the teams that you did not play for or if I should name the teams that you did play for. Give us just a quick rundown. Because there's 16 that I didn't. But the quick rundown, let me see if I, I – I should be able to get this really quick. It would be a lot cooler if I did it like, a, like an auctioneer, like, hey, can I get a Blue Jay to the Phillies? Can I get a Phillies to the Pirates? Pirates to the – you know. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's the Blue Jays, and I won't tell you which ones I repeated because I repeated several times. But uh, it was Blue Jays to the Pirates to the Phillies to the Royals – to the Red Sox for two days, glorious two days. I guess they just didn't like what they saw. Um, <laughs> to the Mariners. I didn't go to the big leagues with the Mariners. That was only 10 days in AAA. And then the Padres, Astros, Angels, Indians, Yankees, Brewers, Giants, Rays, and then back to the Yankees. And then my wife wouldn't let me leave the Yankees because they were close to home. So <laughs> smart man, you listen. I remember a game, I think it was 2018. You had left the team. Last I knew you were in like Tampa or San Francisco. And I'm at a game in June in between innings. Uh, I think Kyle Higashioka just was on base. So you, a guy comes out to warm up the pitcher, bottom of the <laughs> inning. Guy stands up, takes his mask off to go back to the dugout. I'm like, honey, that's Eric Kratz. He's back. <laughs> I remember you telling me that. I remember you telling me like you just came to it. It was like a random like Saturday afternoon game. Yeah, I think I think it was a day. I knew it was a day game, so I was going to say Saturday, and you were like, "I couldn't believe I saw you yesterday. I didn't even know you were back." I was like, "Well, <laughs> two days ago, I didn't know I was coming back." So, uh, the life of a major league uh, player. Tell us about your uh, planned book called Shower Shoes. Maybe that sums up your career. That really does sum up my career. The reason it's called shower shoes is because I have a pair of shower shoes that I actually bought right before I went to college. I didn't buy them in the hopes of them being shower shoes. I bought them in the hopes of them being slides for college. And I went to college in 1998. If people are trying to figure out the math of being 41, ended up getting, I kept them. You know, I probably wore them to class every day in college, but I kept those slides all throughout college. And then I went to pro ball and I'm like, well, yeah, I need sandals. So I put them in my bag and they told me that I need shower shoes. And I'm like, what are, what are shot? Like, are they Crick sneakers? Like we have Crick sneakers at home <laughs> where like you have an old pair of shoes and you wear them down to the Creek. We call it a Crick, but, and then you just like get them wet and then they always sit outside because they smell like half a dead fish, one egg and three year old cheese you know so they just sit outside and like dogs don't even come near them you put them by your garden but anyway so that's what i thought shower shoes were and they're like no just like some sandals i'm like sandals i got sandals and so i started using them and probably about like i didn't think anything of it probably about nine years in maybe i remember thinking wow i've had these shower shoes every single year because i never wore them anywhere else but the shower they got washed after every game. I mean, that's better than some of my teammates can say. They were with me everywhere. I think I was in the Dominican, and that's when I thought, like, wow, like these things have been everywhere. Like the stories that these shower shoes could tell, 
So I don't know. We're about we're about a month away from pitching the book to publishers. We'll see. We'll see if somebody wants to buy it. But the book is it's coming along really well. It's it's a story about my career, but it's also a story about the backup catcher. And you know, you had said about all the games that I played. I'd rather see how many games I actually watched because I watched a ton of games and I watched way more than I played in. So I know at least three, your mom and your wife, Sarah and I will buy it. So at least you have guaranteed three books that will be purchased. So I'll tell the publisher you're off to a great start. <laughs> I'll tell the publisher we're, we're already there. We already got three. You're a catcher by trade, but you are a, uh, a nasty knuckleball pitcher. Tell us about your, uh, <laughs> your, your pitching debuts. Oh man. My, Big league pitching debut was in Seattle in I was with the Astros in 2016. That was my big league pitching debut. Fortunately or unfortunately, I got to do it. Our team was getting blown out and then I got to do it again and I got to do it again and again and again. It's one of those things when you're the low man on the totem pole, that's what you do. Like they're like, we're getting blown out. Who's coming in? Kratz. What? You're going in to pitch. All right. You know, they're not asking. And if they do, they're like, do not hurt yourself. In the back of their mind, like, if you hurt yourself, probably find somebody else because there was somebody else here before you got here. But my debut of pitching was actually in 2004 in double A. You can't even find this on the internet. 2004 in double A, I faced the Binghamton Mets in the 13th inning. It was a tie game. They brought me in. I got the first three guys out. I walked one guy, he tried to steal, and my catcher threw him out, got the next two guys out, came back out the next inning. David Wright was the batter who quintessentially ended up hitting his last double-A home run that night. It was an 0-2 knuckleball that didn't knuckle, and he hit a home run off of me to right center field. He got called up a couple days later to AAA, and obviously he had an almost Hall of Fame career for the Mets. But yeah, 2004, that was my debut. You propelled him into the majors. I did. When I told him that, he he laughed, and then he's like, I could tell he was kind of like, <laughs> that's a funny story. Like, and then it, later he's like, oh, I remember that. Wow. You know, and this was shoot, 2012, 2013, so it was eight, nine years later, but it's one of those things that I'll never forget it. Well, last year, Aaron Boone called on you a couple times. You did such a good job. I think uh, the team made up knuckle up t-shirts that I see. I still see uh, worn by some of the guys. They did. I think that's pretty sweet. I don't think the Yankees sold any Kratz jerseys. So that was as close as close as we could get. Just the other day, I tried to wear it to church and I was like, buddy, that shirt's not appropriate for church. It's very, <laughs> It's probably not even appropriate outside of our yard, but... Definitely not going to church. Speaking of minor leagues, I think the craziest game I ever saw was the game that you were involved in, September 3rd, 2019 in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Do you remember that? And if you do, tell us about that. I'll never forget that game. I'll never. One, I didn't know they had a play-in game for AAA playoffs, but we did. And we were, I mean, we were running on fumes. We almost had to have our pitcher hit in the final game of the year to make it into the playoffs. Like the Yankees stopped calling guys up to triple a cause double a was in the playoffs. And so they stopped calling guys up and we were sending guys up to the big leagues. Plus they traded 
two guys after September 1st. It was like the perfect storm of something I've never seen before. But we had Adonis Rosa on the mound, probably one of our most consistent pitchers, probably one of our better pitchers, David Garcia, was moved to the bullpen already. But, you know, a prospect like that, he's on a definite, uh, you can only pitch here, here, and here. And so, you know, it, it was like, okay, hey, I'm starting at first base, which I think I started there twice that season. And it was probably the three days prior that I had started there. But I was starting at first base because we didn't have a first baseman. Higgy was behind the plate. I'm trying to think. I thought we had another catcher. Oh, Arcia was playing third base. So we had three catchers in the lineup. Adonis Rosa comes out. Never a good sign. Not a good sign. Not a good sign for athleticism for the team. Uh, we're not stealing bases in that sense. But anyway, so Adonis Rosa comes out. Boom. First inning, gives up five runs. They're one. I think we dropped a pop-up. I think we threw a ball away. And Adonis was, you know, he was just throwing strikes and they were hitting them. I remember one of their players gets to first base and goes, Papi, are you guys trying to lose this game? I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm thinking about, like, all right, I guess, um, you know, my car's packed. Like, I didn't have an apartment that year. So, or no, I did have an apartment and I had moved out. But I'm like, I'm an hour and a half from home. Like, I'm thinking about what I'm, you know, taking the kids to school on the next Thursday. Like, I knew Thursday was going to be a busy day for Sarah. and. That was always kind of stressful for me, like thinking, oh, I'm not there to help her. I can't, you know, I was thinking we were going to go to the playoffs and we go down five, nothing in the first. And it's like, like, we can't take them out. It's not like a playoff game where it's like, okay, now, you know, next guy we're, we're depleted, depleted. And then we end up getting no hit through the first five innings by urban Santana, who ironically Two years before that, started essentially the play-in game, the wild card game, when I was with the Yankees in the big leagues and he was pitching for the Twins. So two years had passed and like a lot had happened. And here we are in Scranton, Pennsylvania, playing in front of a COVID distanced amount of people without COVID. You know, there's probably like 600 people at the game. But anyway, so he no hits us. Then we come out, Higgy hits a home run. I get a single, we get like four or five runners in a row and Santana probably would have gotten out of it, but their manager continued to just panic the whole game. He brings in the next guy. They cash in the runs. It's a one run game. We're like, Oh, we're going to do this. Yeah. Six fans are all cheering. We're like, yeah, some fan like Higgy's like, I'm going to get it called up. Are we going to win this game? Like I want to win this game. They come out and hit and they score six to put it, us down seven the next inning. It was like, what? How did that just happen? And then Higgy comes out and hits another home run as next at bat. And we mount another comeback all the way to the point where Higgy is batting with a runner on third base and two outs. And he's already got two home runs. He's definitely our best hitter in the lineup. And the guy walks him. And this guy that we're facing was throwing like 97 to 100. He had given up zero runs the whole season. Zero. He had like 20-some innings, a zero ERA. And so he's the guy they want out there. And I end up hitting, I, I call it a kind of double, because I feel like Gregor Blanco was playing in left. I feel like he could have caught it. 
didn't catch it, and we end up going, <laughs> we end up going up by by one run, and we won the game. I don't even remember the score of the game, but didn't Ben Heller? Ben Heller came in for the save. Ben Heller came in for the save, and he was on big league rehab, and he was not scheduled to pitch that day. So that's like super no no. Like. Jay Bell just put him in the game, and Ben Heller was like, sure, I'll do it, and came in one, two, three inning. I'm sure if you ask Jay Bell, he's like, I'm pretty sure that's why I got fired or not rehired. <laughs> he didn't get fired. He's not rehired. <laughs> crazy game. Absolutely craziest game that I can remember being a part of in, in the minor leagues. Right. Maybe AAA, even the big leagues. That's awesome. You mentioned your family. Sarah's a saint, like for 19 seasons, how does the baseball wife like Sarah, how do you, how do you juggle that? The, the impact of your, your career on family. It's a part of the game that fans don't understand. Um, you know, I think sometimes in my career, my family didn't even understand it. Like we would have an off day and people would plan to come and see us on an off day. And it was like, especially in AAA, that's our one off day a month. And usually it's spent traveling. So if you get to spend that off day, you know, you love seeing family, you love seeing other people, but like our time, Sarah and I's time is something that we really put a priority. And Sarah's father passed away in 2000, right before we got married. And I really think that that impacted my career and our relationship because the time we did get, she put such an effort in to us being together, such an effort into us being present when we were in that moment. And how do you juggle it? You don't juggle it. You, you, you make the priority family, understanding that I got to go to the field, understanding I got to work out, understanding that in seven days, when I get home from a road trip, I'm going back out on another road trip. And the sacrifices she made to be able to allow our family to be together during baseball. If we weren't together, if the, if the kids and her didn't come and visit me, live with me, whatever it was, each situation was different. My career would have been over a long time ago. You know, not that I should have kept playing this long. We had a lot of prayers, a lot of discussion, and we both believe that I should keep playing if I get an opportunity, but it was something that as kids grow up, they get their own schedules and they, they are into their own things. And I think my kids missed out on, you know, playing some travel team things, that kind of stuff, but they, they didn't miss out on us being a family unit, whatever that took. Like sometimes like the one time at the end of the season, they were, when I was with the Brewers, they were going home to be at school and they went to, to end the season. They went down to Chicago when we played the Cubs. She drove down hour, hour and a half, depending on traffic, got to see Wrigley Field games there, stayed with me, then drove to St. Louis and got to see games in St. Louis. And from St. Louis, she drove home. And, you know, I think a lot of wives, especially kids. I mean, kids love that stuff. Kids love hotels and hotel waffles, all that exciting stuff, you know, the pool and in, indoor pool at the hotel. They love that kind of stuff. And my boys love the games. My daughter, Avery, she's kind of like, eh, I like the games, but I'd rather have the waffles and the, and the swimming pool. But there's wives that can easily say, 
I'm not doing it. Like, I'm going to get a flight from Milwaukee, and I'm going home. And that would have been a week that we wouldn't have spent together. So it, it's stuff that you make it a priority to be together as a family. All right, we're here with Eric Kratz on the Post Game with Paul Golden podcast. This is the first summer in how many seasons that you're actually home during the summer? Well, right now, last year I got to be home. So <laughs> last year, last year was the first time that I got to see at my house, you know, the trees bud, the the flowers blossom and mow my yard during the season. It was tremendous, but I mean, a summer at home, I mean, in college, I stayed down at college and worked in college and I played summer ball. A summer at home would probably be 1997 was my last, mm. no, 98. I was, I was at home in 1998. So yeah, 98. Wow. Let's transition to your faith. How, how did your faith in Christ uh, begin? I mean, it, it began by going to church as a family. It was, it was a priority for for my parents to to not miss church on Sundays, but not because like, oh, well, we just have to make sure we get to church because my parents showed me the example of the importance of church early on. I, I didn't play travel baseball. I didn't play, I did play travel soccer. That was a priority that my parents told my travel soccer coach, like he's not going to make every Sunday morning game. They respected it. You know, they told the rest of the team I wasn't going to be there and nobody ever really gave me a hard time. And so that was like a, that was an early example of the importance of going to church. And now as an adult, I understand as a more mature Christian, not a mature person, just a mature Christian, that going to church is not the, is not the end all be all. It's the relationship, but that relationship starts to build because of the priorities that my parents put in place. And, you know, I accepted Jesus into my heart and I was baptized when I was 13. And it's been something that's been a, a growing relationship. There's no, there's no better example of when I was an infant, I did, I ate what infants ate and I was an infant Christian, I think probably for too long, but my relationship really, really grew when I had a, a roommate and actually him and his wife, Christian Snavely, ironically, his name is Christian. He was my roommate uh, in 2003. And then we started living together, him and his wife and me and Sarah started living together in 2004 at spring training. And then again in 2005, and then again in 2006. So we lived together in spring training for, for those seasons. And just seeing their example of their walk with the Lord and how it was an unashamed walk. It was a daily walk. They would wake up before I'd go to the field and spring training at 6 a.m. And they'd already be, you know, into the word reading. And they really, they really gave me a great example of how I was supposed to live for the Lord, how I was supposed to be a Christian baseball player. And that was something that has propelled my relationship to this day. I'll never forget that from, you know, the example they showed me. We trust you were encouraged by this interview with baseball journeyman, Eric Kratz. Be sure to join us for the second half of this conversation in our very next episode, where Eric will talk more about his faith, tell more fun stories, and offer insight into what's next for his future. 
Eric also gives his take on current Yankee players, including Garrett Cole and Aaron Judge. To make sure you don't miss out, subscribe now to the Post Game with Paul Golden podcast. Join us next time for part two of Paul's conversation with Eric Kratz. I'm Tim Donnelly. Thank you so much for joining us for Post Game with Paul Golden. <laughs>